All right, welcome everyone back to dissecting uh, popular IT nerds. And today, uh, th- there's not much that we can we can do to avoid this subject. But today we have uh, Pierre Luigi Stella uh, on the line, who lives in in Houston, Texas, right now, uh, but has uh, family and is and is Italian. Uh, so I think that's a something that we we can't really avoid talking about this the coronavirus thing. And we had planned today to talk about. Uh, migrating applications to the cloud, and uh, Pierre Luigi's a CTO at Networkbox uh, here in the USA. You know, and, and briefly, yeah. So just briefly before we, you know, we were talking about how the United States is, you know, from your perspective, ahead of the curve when it comes to technology and migrating things to the cloud. And yes, yes. Uh, so which I think is interesting because uh, I think. European countries in general tend to be ahead of America. Me being a telecom and internet guy, we tend to be ahead uh, behind the curve when it comes to infrastructure and delivering internet services and IP services in a very efficient manner because we spent so much money on infrastructure uh, years ago. Um, I mean, do you agree with that? Uh, uh, yes, but well, you need to take the... Um you need to separate the two things. Um, uh, the U.S., uh, if you go back to color TV, the U.S. was the first to adopt the color when we in Europe we didn't even know what color TV was. Mm-hmm. But by the time uh, we finally got it, to give you an idea, my father got the first one in 1982 because of the World Cup of soccer. <laughs> we had systems that were working with a much more advanced technology. Because Which, by the way, is, just, a, just a side note, I did... Did did we even have a good soccer team back in 1982? <laughs> did <laughs> we even have soccer? Did anyone even care about soccer in America? No one even cared. No. But uh, anyways, yeah, go on. No, no. That's that's but, a subject that will take you and take an Italian uh, forever to talk yeah, about. Exactly. So we're not gonna... <laughs> no, yeah, no, and no many care about it yet either. But uh, going back to that, that's just an example. Right? The thing mm-hmm. is, because Europe wasn't behind the curve when they finally got to it. <laughs> they got to it with a much better technology. The parlor and second systems that we were using in Europe were much more advanced, right? I remember coming to the U.S. in 1999 and looking at the color TV and saying, I thought in the U.S. they had better technologies than this. It was really awful. What is up with America inventing absolutely almost everything? Everything, yeah. yeah what, what is that? It's crazy. It's the amount of... Uh, um, it's just the environment uh, that is uh, uh, suitable, I guess, for everything. You, you can do, you can truly do whatever you want. People say, make, make America great again and the American dream. Uh-huh. You need to come here to, from abroad to uh-huh. understand it. It's not that el- elsewhere they put uh, rods in your wheels they try to stop you. It's just that the environment around you uh-huh. isn't the same as it is here. Somehow, here, things happen more easily because the entire environment is created for business. Now, let me ask around you this. The business. Let me ask you this, because even Howard Schultz went to Italy, stole your coffee culture, and turned it into Starbucks. Okay? Yes. So, you know, it even took an American to go steal Italian culture and form it into some kind of thing that's now this ridiculous thing where we all pay $5 for a cup of coffee. Um, <sighs> what... Okay, so, so it's easier here, and we are going to get to coronavirus, which is very, very um, uh, a suitable subject for you, but and everybody listening. And I wish I could have recorded 
um, you cursing at your older son for going out into the environment. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it sounded very much like it sounded similar to uh, you know some kind of reprimand that I would give my children in the background. <laughs> but um, that he's go years old. lock yeah. yourself in your room. And uh, yeah. anyways, the why do, do so it's easier here, here in America, um, maybe from a technology or just I don't know capitalistic uh, uh, this this mentality. Um, is it easier to live stress-free here, though? I just want to know from someone that came came from another country where, you know, you might have higher unemployment and maybe a more relaxed, this is me completely stereotyping your culture, by the way, um, maybe a more relaxed cafe-style culture where, you know, maybe it's more family-oriented, maybe we're more together, maybe we see our in-laws on a daily basis to a very truncated um, Okay, hold on. You're going... You're putting in a lot of variables to this question. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's focus the question. Is it less stressful? Yes. Uh-huh. Is it, it because the culture there is more, re- in the U.S. is less stressful? You th- you're saying uh, it's less uh, stressful in the U.S.? Absolutely. And okay. it is because life, at least in, in places like Houston. Now, now uh, keep in mind, I've only always lived in Houston. I've been here 21 years. So my perspective may be a bit skewed by the fact that Houston is an amazing city, very cosmopolitan, extremely accepting, where life is very easy. And the prices are very low. Houston is cheap, man. It is cheap. Yeah, it is. And because of that, maybe my point of view isn't valid in California or New York or in Chicago. Mm -hmm. But in Houston, life is easy. Mm. It's convenient. It's just organized in such a way that like, you don't even get, need to get out of the car to go get groceries anymore. You need to get out of the car to go get uh, a coffee or, or, your, or your, your medicines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in Italy, uh, and that's literally, I don't know the rest of the country, the, the other countries, European countries, but they're not that different. Mm-hmm. Life isn't so convenient. You live in apartments, crammed up with thousands of people in the same place. Mm-hmm. You don't know where to park your car. That's your first stress in the morning. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if you'll find your car, if somebody stole it when you get out of the car, out of the house in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you fight traffic there. If you think Houston's traffic is bad, you need to go in, in, in Milan or Rome and see mm-hmm. how bad it is with unruly drivers who don't only the traffic is horrible, they just run you over with the back and center. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it is, it is, it makes, it, everything is made it's organized in such a way, so archaic in many ways, and, and, uh, um, and bureaucratic, that it makes your life inconvenient. Mm. Even to pay a bill. When I left, maybe things have changed now. I've been, I've been away for 21 years. But mm. when I left to pay my bill for the electricity, I mm. had to go to the post office. And, and, and get in line for an hour, the post office to pay a bill. How terribly, not just inconvenient it is, but what a waste of labor. Mm. Of, of in the economy mm. or such a thing, right? Mm. The, it's, it's just much more uh, here, first thing I get, I get, where I get here, I get internet in my home at the, in 1999 mm. and IBM tells me you can work 40 hours a week from home. Come to the office if only if you can, if you have to. I was mm. working at IBM at the time. Mm. It's so much more, so much easier. Everything is much easier. Mm. Um, and in, at the end of the day, that relieves your stress. By the way, it's not true that Americans work more. When I was in Italy, I was working between mm. from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. every single day mm. at, at IBM. Mm. Here, everybody goes on at 5. 
Mm. And okay, I, I am what I am in my company. So maybe I work a little bit more than everybody else because I'm it's just my character. Mm-hmm. But you know, my my employees at five PM they put the, the, the pen down and they leave, mm. and the rest of the evening is theirs. Nobody mm. deserves them, and and we and I we respect their uh, privacy and their life after yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they had a life after hours. I don't remember having their lives when I was back home. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, I I worked for uh, a, a, an Italian pizza place when I was in college, and Biagio was from. Uh, Biagio. I, I think he was from. I can't remember where he was from. Maybe it was Naples. Biagio, probably. Biagio sounds more from Florence or thereabouts. But yeah, could be. Okay. Naples. So um, he told me <clears throat> that a lot, and I just don't know if the street. We we talk. He told me a lot about kind of like this, like mafia type structure where. If you have a very successful business, you know, the boss will come in and, and you need to pay him a certain percentage of your business earnings. And that kind of gets pushed back out in almost like a public service tax or something like this. Is this, uh, is this still exist over there? Uh, I guess the guy was from Naples. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, you know, it was like yeah. out of a movie. Like talking to him was like, I, I felt like I was in a movie. Uh, yes, things have uh, uh, not changed that much. I had a recent <laughs> conversation with uh, uh, my friends and my sister about a, a public investigator in Calabria who has put uh, 5,000 people in jail recently, and uh, the whole public is just waiting for him to die, basically. Ah. Uh, the, the opinion is when, when, I, when this guy has rocked too many boats, when are they going to put him out? Uh, it uh, is hard. To, it's it's a, it's a very very difficult uh, topic uh, yeah. in many ways. Difficult difficult because it, it involves politics aside from uh, crime, yeah. and also difficult for me because it has actually affected my life. But uh, uh, my the place where I'm from, it's the south of Italy, uh, is in very poor conditions. It's probably the poorest region in Europe, uh-huh. mostly because of this. Uh, uh, because you can't do anything. Uh, people give cannot, up. Uh, I it, try. Small, uh, imagine this. I, I, I was I was there in uh, 2017, and there's this guy who's trying to make a living by uh, by he purchased a number of uh, uh, little boats to rent out. They're called pedalos. Uh, you, you pedal boats. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, after a few days, they were all burned down on the ground, on the on the on the beach huh. because he refused to pay the yeah no. protection the protection. Huh. And this is 2017. So this is, these things are still happening. It's a very Unfortunate and disheartening, and that's, by the way, one of the reasons why business never never develops. Because if you don't comply, you don't go anywhere, and if you comply, you still don't go anywhere hmm. because they suck they suck your life. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, not um, conducive for business, and, and for as long as situations like this don't get resolved, mm-hmm. nothing is ever going to change. I thought we were talking about the U.S. business. I know, man, but this is, you know, I don't get this opportunity that often, you know, you never know how my brain works. It can, it it can fly off into, you know, anywhere. So, so let's talk in general, um, the, you know, technology and the coronavirus concern, uh, you know, combined, uh, I've had numerous stories over the past, you know, two weeks or so, I've been rushing to, to upgrade, you know, people's internet connections. I've had people, hey, we've got to com- com- quickly convert our entire workforce to a, a mobile workforce and we've got five days to do this. Um, numerous yep. different things. So I would, 
how, and you have a different, you have a perspective, you have kind of a more worldly perspective because you have family back home and I get everything from this coronavirus is a bunch of fear mongering. It's, um, you know, it's really not that real. You don't have to worry about it. Um, to absolutely it's 100% real uh, because my sister works in the hospital and, uh, you know, what's your, what's your general perspective, I guess, from like a technology standpoint, how it's, how you feel it's going to be affecting technology and business. So first of all, anybody who tells you, like my son just stated, that it's fear mongering and it's bogus, doesn't read the news from outside the country. Uh-huh. Uh, the numbers, I read a very long article from uh, some skeptic guy from Italy, by the way, who was going on on statistics as to show how car accidents have killed more people than the coronavirus. Uh-huh. What the guy failed to recognize is that right now in Italy, they don't have enough beds in the hospitals to put these people that are sick and take care of them. Uh-huh. They had to... Uh, they had to use they, a center like, I don't know if you're from Houston, if you're in Houston, Houston is a very large um, center in, called the I'm Georgia in, uh, I'm in Massachusetts, so not, not far Massachusetts, from Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay, but here we have the George R. Brown Convention Center. It's a very large convention center in Milan. There is a center that's even bigger than that. Mm-hmm. They locked up the entire thing and, and are using it as a hospital mm-hmm. only for the coronavirus. They didn't have enough respirators. They had to buy them from China in an emergency. They didn't have enough doctors. They had to beg China to send doctors. This is what these people are not understanding. It's not that it's, yes, it is probably only 1% or 2% deadly and only for the people that are very old. But it's happening as an epidemic all at once. Therefore, it's affecting the medical system so much that they're not doing surgeries. They're not doing... They're not, you go there for an emergency, unless you're about to die, they don't even take you in anymore. Mm. That is how the medical system is. Now, obviously, Italy is a small country, but make the proportions. If therapists in the US were already talking about California and getting overwhelmed in their health system, because at some point, you're out of beds, you're out of doctors, you're out of materials. Because it's too many all at once. That's the problem. It's not the mortality per se. It's how quickly this thing is happening and how widespread it's becoming. And if we don't do anything to lower the, uh, the spread, <clears throat> we're going to have a million people in the hospital that we can't take care of. Mm. Mm. And, yeah, and, and they're, they're going to end up dead because we simply cannot take care of them. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know, but I might be, be, be one of them. I'm sorry if I, if I am concerned, right? Mm-hmm. Now, from a technology standpoint, uh, uh, what is the change? Uh, the change is, this I, I, I sent uh, out a blog post actually about a month ago of this. We learn only when things happen and smack us in, in the face, right? We never thought of a data center as a serious alternative to our little computer room because yeah. data centers are too expensive. Until 9-11 happened. And when mm-hmm. 9-11 happened, and a lot of companies were out of business because they didn't have a data center with their data, mm-hmm. then uh, data centers became a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And now data centers are everywhere. And then the cloud is everywhere. And then the public cloud is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, nobody that I know of, that I've ever talked to, has ever considered the possibility that it's not the computers that are broken, it's the people. Because when you design a disaster recovery plan, what you are planning for is the inability to get to your data or to your applications. It's, 
the the data loss. It's you lost your 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 office, your SP, your servers, something of the nature, right? When have you ever seen anybody saying, "What if I'm losing my people? How am I going to run my company if ten percent of them are in the hospital? Mm. How am I going to run my co- how am I going to run my company if I can't get to the company?" Yeah. Okay? Yes, yeah. the solution to I cannot get to the company seems simple. Get a VPN. Well, in many cases, that is true. Um, sometimes you just physically can't. Maybe there's work that you need to do. If you're an accountant and you're looking at my paperwork for the taxes, unless you've spent a month scanning all of them, you probably have to go to the office and do just that, scan them. Right? Just, just an example. So there are situations of technology where you cannot necessarily work from home all the time, but at least you should get to a position where most of your people can work from home. So you can implement what the, the, the media are calling social distancing. The yes. other day, we were in the, I too, uh, me and another colleague were in the office. Yep. We literally avoided each other all day long. Uh-huh. Okay? We, we talked, we talked from the, the two aisles of the, of, of the two opposites of the aisle. Uh-huh. It's social distancing. It looks ridiculous in normal circumstances, but right now we all know and understand why we're doing that. Yes. Right? So what, what happened to us specifically is that for a month now, I have been begging my clients via a proper communications like uh, direct mailing, blog posts, and similar to prepare because it's coming. Because I have firsthand information of what's happening elsewhere and I know it's coming. And be prepared to work from home, create VPNs. Guess what? No one answered until three days ago. Three days ago, I think in the last three days, we must have created 400 VPNs. Mm-hmm. We were doing that, all of us working from home, all, mm-hmm. of our, all of us, all hands on deck, working, creating VPNs for the client. And, and how did you do that? All of us. What do you mean? Our devices are, um, one of the things that our device does is terminated, uh, is a VPN concentrator. It's yeah. one of the functions. So okay. we just, we just need to implement it. But, you know, there is, there is technical work to be done. It's not like you push a button and it happens. Yeah, right? of course. It's That's kind of why I was asking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to, config, you have to configure. You have to create. Uh, and now, obviously, one thing we don't want to do it is open up the possibility of them being hacked because we are putting everybody on a VPN. You're putting users that are normally, not, there are non-technical users on a VPN working from home. Yep. The first thing that I recommend to all of them is use two-factor authentication. Uh-huh. That's another step in the configuration that takes time. Yep. So because the user can't even scan a QR code to get, a, <laughs> to get the authenticator to work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's little things one on top of the other. When you pile them up and then you multiply them by 400 or 4,000, it becomes a mountain that can force you, right? And it's kind of, you uh, know, I mean, this, in general, this is like a disaster avoidance um, conversation. And it's interesting how people are always thinking, well, I mean, a, a hurricane's not going to hit my location. Something like this is, I don't, no one could have predicted this, I don't think. No, and I, think I, and I can tell things. you that I was the first, the first one three years ago, an auditor asked me for a disaster recovery plan in case of a pandemic, and I myself pooped them. I just like, ah, what is this guy want? He's fishing, right? He's just trying to find something wrong because he didn't find anything wrong. Uh-huh. Well, three, days, three years later, here I am thinking, well, the guy was, had the foresight. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. he was asking for something legit and I, and I, and I dismissed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, we need to learn to be prepared for the unpredictable because 
things like this are, uh, don't happen all the day, uh, every day, but they do happen. And when they do happen, they can cause catastrophic situations for the companies. Uh, well, I would say they could definitely oh, shut you down indefin- indefinitely. Indefinitely, oh yes, completely, absolutely. Yes. There, are, there are some people um, that will, there are some companies that will not come out of this. They're probably well, like, uh, like, Smaller companies, a lot of small companies like small restaurants, for example, in the Houston area or anywhere else. Yeah, they're done. If they're not, if they are not cash rich, I don't know how they're going to do. Yeah, because have, they are uh, definitely not getting enough business. Yeah, no, they're not. The, um, there's a, just to give you a short example there, just for example, uh, there's a guy in my jujitsu class that's in the, you know, whatever our jujitsu Facebook group is. And he basically posted a picture of his restaurant completely empty. And basically the quote was, could someone come down here, put some mats down, please. And you can start by just punching me in the face with like about 70% force. Um, And I mean, because that's it. What's he going to do? How long can he survive like that? How long, you know, if you don't have cash flow, if you're not cash flow positive for at least like, you know, a year, if you don't have something like that, what are you going to do? The the other sad part of this is that I don't think people are realizing yet how long this will last. Um, In China, it started in the middle of December and they're still dealing with it. uh, We're almost April here. Okay. Well, some people we say it's going to come back in China. Yet. Some people say it's going to come back again once... Um... It, it is possible because in reality, this isn't the kind of stuff that goes away forever. Uh, forever. This is yeah, already, the... this is now part of our life. So it's going to stay. It's here to stay. Uh, yeah. Once people go home. back to work and they open it back up again... Yeah, we're going to go know, back to it. The only yeah. hope is that we get a vaccine or we get a cure so it doesn't become a, it doesn't is no longer a threat like it is today. But in reality, this is it's a new virus that's in the environment. You can't kill it because it's a virus; it's not a bacteria. You can't eradicate it. The only way to do it is to if we if we manage to finally get a vaccine. But that vaccine will take another eighteen months, according to what I hear in the news. So we are a long time away from being safe for this thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... And therefore, as a business, like we're, I'm not, we are not doctors, so I don't want to sound like a, I'm pretending to be a doctor, but as a, from, I'm talking as a business person. From a business perspective, we need to learn to live with it. Right? Yes. And living with it means that we have to adopt measures of social distancing for a long term. That's what we have to do. And it is what it is. So... You know, I, I'm not going to, I haven't gone to the gym for a week. Right? I go every day. I, what I'm doing now, I'm going to the park. I'm running in the sun. I'm, taking, I'm getting sun. I'm getting healthier. <laughs> you know, find a way, if you will, to make the best of it. Right? Yeah. Well, hey, at least you're, at least you're going outside. I, I don't think I've gone outside. I'm in kind of a minor depression because uh, the only way that I exercise is by doing... Uh, you know, submission grappling, so to speak, right? So I, like I've got a bunch of guys that I roll around with on the ground and we, we try to break each other's arms and choke each other out, you know? Uh, so uh-huh. it's like a, it's like a, you know, I'm going through like a depression, you know? And one of the guys in our group is a, a, um, and he's like a U.S. air marshal. So we can't roll with him now because he's been traveling on the airplane. You know, another guy is like, you know, the president of a massive multi-location, you know, home health care facility. Uh, so pretty he's good. out, you know, he's done. Um, so it's pretty much, yeah. So I probably need to start finding a way to exercise somehow. I guess, yeah. I can go go, go running. Now that the weather is getting better, go running. 
they, uh, yeah, all right. just, just something like that. So, anyway, yes. So you sit on the um, you're on you're on the Forbes Forbes uh, Technology Council as an as an official member. What advice would you have, or maybe a plan of action for other IT leaders out there, IT directors, technology directors on on what they should, maybe they weren't prepared, maybe they are prepared, but any advice for anyone out there that's dealing with, you know, hundreds of end users and preparing them for, you know, a work at home for the next uh, six months, what should their, what should their thought, what should their mentality or thought pattern be? Maybe planning strategy. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. The, the one of the lucky things, I, I would say at this point it was lucky, I think, because I, I certainly didn't think of this happening. Uh-huh. So that's not why I did it. But, in August last year, we moved absolutely everything to the Amazon cloud. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally don't have a single server in house anymore. Zero. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. In my office, there's only workstations. Mostly okay. Linux workstations because of the kind of company we are, but that doesn't matter. It's workstations. Uh-huh. Um, today, I can have my, my team scattered across the world if necessary. Uh-huh. And we can still provide support to the clients. Uh, right. The only thing we may not be able to do is ship physical products right? because we have to be in the office for that. But other than that, we can do everything remotely. Everything we do is in the cloud, in the public cloud. And I stress public because before that, we had our own private cloud. Uh-huh. And in that case, I would, have, I, would have, I would still cater to a computer. Yes, it was in the data center, but still mine. And I still need to take care of it. I still need to babysit it. And uh, I still need to be worried that if the guys that take care of that are elsewhere occupied because they're getting sick, I, I, don't have, I have a problem. Uh-huh. With the public cloud, the, the infrastructure that Amazon has is so big and the number of people they have at disposal is so mm-hmm. much that hopefully they're not going to have a problem and therefore I don't have a problem. Right? So the, all, all the people that continue thinking that the public cloud is not a good idea. Um, I have a little message. I sleep better at night since I've gone to the public cloud. And by the way, by the way, I have saved an enormous amount of money. It's not true that the public cloud is not safe if you do it properly. And uh, it's uh, so. What are some of the? Uh, so why would people think it's not safe to? There's so many questions here anyways. I mean, like, how... Yeah, how this is a very, money? very long... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why don't we just cut to, you know... Or forget the why how, it's not safe. People can figure that out, I guess. <laughs> um, how about this? Actually, no. I, I personally don't know why they say it's not safe. The way we're doing it, we, got, we, we set up our own systems as the front-end, the firewall IPS for everything, and everything mm-hmm. else is behind. Any, nothing that we have on the, on the public cloud is phasing the internet, except our own systems, which are the same, that were protecting our network before anyway, except mm-hmm. that the resources are physical. That's the only difference. So I really don't see how it's not safe. I, I, I can't figure it out. I, I, every time I read about the safety, uh, cybersecurity for the, for the cloud, mm-hmm. I, I scratch my head. It's really not that, rocket, that big of a rocket science. The only problem is a misunderstanding. The people don't realize that uh, sharing of responsibility. They don't realize that infrastructure is a service, which is what AWS provides. And I say AWS because it's the one I use, but there's Google, there's IBM, there's Microsoft, there are so many others, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm a, a, a billboard for, 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 for AWS. Yeah. But yeah. what they are providing is physical security, right? They are providing, nobody can get to your computers. 
other than that, they, they don't give you anything. Everything about cyber security is your responsibility. Do it just the way you were doing it in the land, treat it the way you treat it in your environment, mm-hmm. and, and keep your computer safe. Don't think that they're doing anything for you because they're not. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that really needs to be understood. And after that, if you do things right, you're just as safe there as you are in the office. Okay. Right? Actually, in many ways, I think you're safer because your, your data is scattered on so many different hard drives that nobody can physically steal it because mm-hmm. you don't know where it is. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. I got you. A, so, well, let me, let's use this. Maybe then, just maybe this uh, coronavirus opportunity for, maybe this can be looked upon as an, uh, a technology leadership opportunity over the next six to 12 months to, it, it's almost the perfect opportunity to take advantage of any type of migrations or changes to in, internal infrastructure. Because if you've got things on site or you've got, you know, you, you're, you know, you've got a hybrid environment or, you know, you're thinking of migrating yeah. things, it's almost like this is the perfect opportunity to actually make those changes. And make it happen because now you can go to the board and give them a reason why you need to have, to make it happen. You can actually, by the way, you will find that you will end up saving money in the long run. Uh, and uh, it definitely, there is a very compelling reason to make it happen. But not only that, think of the, the, if we change our workforce and the way we organize our life because of this. And these people that are working from home today find out that it is actually better to work from home. Uh, you know, the, have you seen the pictures of the pollution over Italy and over... Uh, I've definitely seen it over China. China? Yes, over Italy is the same. Uh, the same, same, same idea. Pollution disappeared from the north of Italy. Yeah. It's, uh, so, you know, there, aside from the technology, right, there is, there's a lot to gain in, our, in, the, in other aspects of our life. In a place like Houston, people travel 20 miles in every direction every day to go to work and spend 90 minutes a day, if not more, in traffic every day. Uh, you don't you know, have know how to much life. Me. It's ridiculous. How much, exactly. You know how much life you regain. I, I did uh, this for myself uh, in 12 years ago. I sold a very large house I had at the edge of Houston, and I bought a very tiny townhome because the, the proportion of the, of, of, of the cost was that. <laughs> it was of that nature, right? That much. A, a little tiny place, 10 minutes from my office. Those three hours a day that I gained, I spent in... Uh, Nurturing my family, nurturing myself, going to the gym, doing a lot of things. Yeah, I yeah. gained back life, right? Sure. So consider this situation as an exa- as a way that is forcing all of us into mm-hmm. considering a diff- a li- living in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we don't all get in traffic in the morning, headed to the same direction. Like oh, yeah. I mean, I did it years ago. I, I did it years ago. And uh, it's, it's not only fantastic. just the traffic. It's not only just the hour and a half commute because I was in... Uh, I was in Washington, D.C. at the time, which has got, I think, the third or second worst traffic in the United States. Um, you know, but not only that, it's, it's the standing meetings, it's the water cooler talk, it's the gossip, it's the, it's, it's the I just want to get home, so what do I need to do to, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. spin things the, for the rest of the day. And it, the, the, the other thing is it changes you to a, a results-oriented business. Yes. It's about exactly. results. It's not really necessarily exactly. about clocking so, in. You're not clocking in a day to leave it at five. You, are, you have 20 things to do today, get it done. If you get them done in three hours, good for you. Yeah. 
go have fun. And that's that's how. By the way, I, I sounds like uh, I don't want to sound like a bag, right? But this is how how I've been running my company for all these years. <laughs> to me, I never ask anybody. You have to stay here, be here at eight a.m. Right? Mm -hmm. You have to do this. This is what you need to do today. If you do it by three p.m., you are leave. Fine, go. Right? <laughs> and that's how it is. If they want to do it from home, fine, go. We were already organized in this way before the coronavirus. Everybody had a VPN to work from home. So the uh, it, it's it's a mentality that, that can change, and the, the technology will be as as it should be. The the, the tool from the change, right? To yes. allow people to get embrace a different way of living. By the way, you save as a company, you save a lot of money because people are working from home. You don't need an office. You don't need to rent three thousand rooms downtown Houston at fifty dollars a square foot when your your employees can work from home. Or even a portion yeah. of them, because obviously it doesn't work that way in manufacturing. Yeah, yeah it's course. not going to work that of way course. for every company. Um, no, it doesn't. But there's definitely a percentage. There is definitely yes. a percentage of employees that that um, I mean really could be working from home and. You know, I don't know if you can necessarily put together. I'm sure there's some data scientist that could go and, and measure psychological freedom and all kinds of other things and different bullet points and everything. And we probably put. I'm very sure, but it, just you know, under thinking in the morning, there is a highway in Houston called Highway 10. It's got six lanes in every direction. Yeah. In the morning, the highway is a a, a massive parking lot, mm. and if half, even just half <laughs> of those people could work from home. Yeah. Everybody else could go, get to work in half the time. Those that have to go, because downtown Houston, there is a data center, the medical center, the largest in the world. Yeah. I believe it has 100,000 employees. Right? Mm -hmm. Those people can't work from home. Right? Yeah. The nurses have to go to work. Right? Yeah. So, but if they don't find a highway that's completely clogged in the morning, their life will be faster, easier too, because yeah. they don't have to stress over there. Now, mm. I know this is not technology. and this Never is, thought I about that. I should be that. talking about technology. No, but it is. Uh, I mean, because the technology uh, guys make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I mentioned it. Thank you. It's because this is, we as technologists need to make it happen. We need to show the companies that we work for that there is another way. You, if you can trust your people to work for them and be productive, and clearly now, okay, now this opens other conversations with HR about how to measure the people, make sure they're productive, they don't go, they don't go play around, whatever. That's a, I don't even want to get into that because it's not my, 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 my field, right? But yeah. I can only contribute to the technology. I can put you in a position where you can do that if you want to. And we have the technology today. Heck, I pay $50 a month for 600 megabits per second for my housing system. Yeah. And yesterday, I got AT&T offering me five, uh, one gigabit for the same amount of money. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. why do I want to get out of my bedroom in the morning? It's, it's just in fight traffic if I leave outside of Houston. There is no reason. If your work allows it, this is the moment when we need to make this as a revolution to make it happen for everybody. Because it will, it will have a beneficial effect in so many other ways. And measure. Bomb, I mean, the, the other thing is we've got to start measuring. Um, yes, of course. Uh, you know, sure. take take this time to to measure. See the other the other theme that happens a lot is a lot of IT directors get stuck in the taking orders, pee on almost slavery uh, slavery part of technology where they just become, you know, I don't know the the cost center, you know, guy IT dude, run, you know, running the systems, and they I get a lot of complaints always that it's you know. 
people don't respect IT or we don't get the attention we deserve. We don't get the money we deserve in the budget. Um, obviously, security guys, it's always about we don't get enough money to, to implement you know, XYZ until we get hacked or until we have a, you know, some massive security breach or you know, a ransomware attack, whatever it is. Um, and then when it happens, now all of a sudden, you know, we get the money. So, well, guess what? It's happening. And this is an opportunity uh, for you to, uh, to kind of jump in and uh, I guess insert yourself into the executive leadership standpoint, start measuring the data and provide uh, a new alternative to grow the business. Because right now, if the business is losing money and you can save the business from losing money or even show increased growth during this time period, that would be amazing. There are a couple of things that you said that I want to comment on. Uh, I want to be a little harsh intentionally here. Good. If uh, people, are, if your uh, leaders are not paying attention, you're not doing a good job in making them pay attention. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in 2020, if your board of directors doesn't give you the money to do security properly, uh-huh. it's because you haven't been able to show them that they need to. In, yeah. today, in today's world, I will not do business with you if you don't do proper security in your company. So secu- cybersecurity is no longer a cost center, but it's a, become an existential part of a company. Without cybersecurity, there is no company. If you can't explain that to your board to get them to give you the money you need to, in, to, 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 to create the cybersecurity that you need, mm-hmm. then you probably need to change the way you're approaching cybersecurity. It's not a matter of technology anymore. You can't just go sit there and ask for $10,000 for a firewall. You need to go there and say, without this firewall, Target isn't going to buy your products anymore because you get them a risk. Because mm-hmm. they're doing vendor management and they're looking at us and they're saying, we don't have proper cybersecurity and therefore they're not going to buy our products. And by the way, this has already happened. A lot of my clients are banks. Mm-hmm. I've had situations where we were rejecting their vendor's connections because the vendor was compromised or appeared to be compromised. Their cybersecurity wasn't proper. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, telling me, no, allow them anyway, the bank mm-hmm. went back to the vendor and told them, if you don't fix your mm-hmm. cybersecurity and get your act together, we're not going to do business with you. The parameters have changed. I've been doing this for 16 years. 16 years ago, my client would have told me, allow them in anyway because I need them to come in. Mm. Today, mm. they have a completely different attitude of, no, 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 this isn't happening. They're going to mm. fix themselves or I'm going to, there's plenty of other companies I can use to do the same business. There is always somebody else that can provide you a product or service. And if you're not properly set up with cybersecurity, you create a, a, a danger for the company you're servicing, mm. they're going to drop you and go somewhere else. Yeah. And, yeah. And there is a very important point. So I'm sorry if I sound harsh, but with these people that continue to complain, I don't get the attention I deserve, it's because you don't know how to get the attention you deserve. I think that's you a learn. I don't know learn why you're the first person to, to say that. I don't know why you're the first person to say that because that's such common sense that other companies won't do business with companies that are insecure. Yeah. In um, cyber, from, yes, exactly. My clients have been doing vendor management for 50 years. Vendor management meaning they scrutinize our company to see if we are viable for their business, right? And they're doing that 
with every one of the clients. Mm. Now, what, uh, one thing I've found in the course in the course of these 16 years is the banking industry is very much ahead of, of the curve compared with everybody else. If we only did in cybersecurity everywhere what banks are doing today, we'd be a much, all of us would be in a much better place. Okay? Yes. Vendor management is something the banks have been doing for 15 years. Yes. And it's, it's not just the economic viability of the company, it's, it's also how safe is the company? How secure is the company? Are they going to get attacked? And then, and then through them, we are going to get attacked. Yeah. Right? And they have, their vendors need to provide audited statements that they are doing things properly. Mm-hmm. We should be doing this everywhere. And everybody should understand that if you don't do this, you may not be able to provide your services or sell or sell your products anymore because you're not going to get a buyer. And it may, come out of, it may come out of left field. The other thing, though, is it may come, that's back to disaster avoidance again, because it may come out of left field. It may come out of nowhere. They may meet with you. We, we might have like a, you know, a, a quarterly business review, let's just say, mm-hmm. with our client. And our client answers this, asks us this question. We can't answer it. And they say, sorry, we can't do business with you anymore. Out of nowhere. Uh, that, that's very well, very much possible. And uh, the way it's being done now is more of a standardized way by checking uh, certain audits uh, once a year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what you said is very much possible too. It's just that um, you cannot be the weak link in a supply chain. Now, let's take it the, the other way. Let's, let's take this to another level. Because this is where an IT manager, leader, CTO, whoever, Mm-hmm. can um, maybe go to the sales department or business development manager and say, hey, I have a special secret tactic that may allow us to, I don't want to say steal, but uh, take over, be more aggressive uh, in getting new business. And maybe we should preemptively show our clients uh, or potential clients how secure we are and have them ask our competition if they are said secure companies. You sound like a salesman now. Yes. The, uh, my very first Gmail account. My, my very yeah, first yeah. Gmail account was I am a salesman at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> Anyone can send me an email to that. Anyone can send an email right now and uh, I, I'll, I'll get that email. I will. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try over that. Yeah. Um, so, no, but, yeah. we're, but everyone's in sales. Let's be honest. The security yeah, guys are more true. in sales than they would like to be. Security guys uh, hate salespeople. They hate vendors calling them, trying to sell them blinky lights and, and the next fishing product. They hate that. Oh, they you are the have ones. no idea. <laughs> but they are the ones. They are the ones that have to be in sales more than anybody else. Uh, yes. Selling yourself. AKA selling yourself. I see this in two different ways. As If you are the cybersecurity officer or whatever you are inside the company that does completely different things, you know, that does pipelines or whatever it is. Yes, yes. You still are, as you just said. You're, you're correct. You said, you said it correctly. You still say And you can do exactly what you just said. Right? Give a, use this as a, as a technical advantage because it's a, uh, it's, an, it's a business advantage possible compared with your competition. 
I see the same from my point of view in my own company. I end up, I have nothing to do with sales in my company, but I end up being the one that gets called into the, into the sales calls all the time because the clients want to know, uh, the clients want to know the... They want to know how you turned up 400 VPNs, whatever it is. They want to know how you turned up 400 VPNs due to the coronavirus, okay? Let me do the job for you. (laughs) I could do it. Let's go. You know, you're just going to go there and be like, hey, did you know our our guy Pierre Luigi just turned up uh, X number of VPNs due to the coronavirus, turned everyone back up, saved the company? Uh, So they want to know... That's why Ring Central stock is up right now. Last I heard. This is a rumor. I don't know. I should probably go check the stock ticker, but a lot of the because the UCAS providers are up. Because I can use it. I'm using it right now. Well, I'm not using it right now. I called you direct, but I could have from yeah. here. This morning, I was on the phone with my, my team using Ring Central, right? Yeah. And we have the phones redirected completely out. If yep. you call right now, it just rings one of us. Yeah. So outside. To the cell and then you phone, use Ring Central for Zoom also. Yeah. Zoom's built in. We're yeah. recording this entire yeah. podcast on Zoom. Done. Oh my God, you're, you're recording me. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I want some money from Ring Central after this call. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, exactly. Every time yeah, I plug them, I better get like a. Can they at least send me a fifty dollars spot, like a gift yeah. card or something? You know. Okay. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but it is. This is we've been preparing for just in in a way because nine uh, eleven unfortunately taught us the need to work mm-hmm. from home, but apparently not enough. Right. So yeah. we set up the unified communications. We set up some kind of form of cloud, some kind of VPN, but I don't think anybody ever realized that at some point we may have to move the entire company at home. Right? Mm. It's, it's something that we truly weren't prepared for. Um, it, it, it makes a good point because every time I'm in New York and in Manhattan, I do ask myself how many of these businesses actually have to be here on this yes. island. How many businesses have to be in Manhattan on the island? It doesn't make sense to me. As opposed to, if you really have to have a place of business, I don't know, somewhere with cheaper rent, like Houston. Um, just some thought. people consider that a status symbol. Yeah, yeah. I have I have some friends in Houston that have a, a, another cybersecurity company. Yeah. Uh, that is. Um, in a, in a one, it's in a closet in Manhattan. <laughs> a no, recently they they just recently moved to downtown Houston, uh-huh. and I have been wondering why, because downtown Houston is five times more expensive than anywhere else. Houston, I, I don't know how other cities are, but in Houston is organized in districts. Right, yeah. we our company is in a district called West Chase, which is on the west side of Houston, outside of the Beltway which is the, the second largest loop around the city. Yeah. So it's a lot less expensive. Than, and the, further, the closer you go to downtown, the more money you pay, right? If you get yeah. by the, what we call the, the Galleria district or downtown yeah. district, the prices are furiously expensive. It, it should almost be so, a deterrent. It also it should go back to, again, we're not going to do business with you if you're stupid. <laughs> it should okay. be. But you know, you're making the life of your employees miserable because getting downtown is a real pain at any time of the day and night. Yeah. Um, escaping yeah. downtown after 4 p.m. is like you're trapped in, in a mousetrap, literally. Yeah. And then you're paying 10 times, 5 times more for square footage. What is the real business advantage of some kind of move? I don't know. Like if, you're only, in Austin, if you're in Austin, no, it's tacos. Only, I don't, you know, at least well, we got that. <laughs> the only reason why you do that is like what the reason why lawyers do that. It's a status symbol. Yeah. Right? The big... 
office full of glass in the high rise downtown, mm-hmm. full of marble and glass, mm-hmm. shows power. Mm-hmm. It's a display of power. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? It's a, it doesn't add anything to that knowledge and their ability to win a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It's just a display of power. And the same for this other company, which I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see why I would rather use my, the cash for my company to do something more serious for the company than to spend money for rent. Mm. When, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, uh, we're going into a different kind of uh, conversation here, but uh, I don't even know how we got to that. Because technology makes that happen. Because yes. technology is the one that makes that happen. And technology leaders are the ones that need to be pointing these things out and showing some of this. Uh, not to mention perception, which you, is what you basically went over, which is perception is reality with the law firms, the perception of the, yeah. big, of the big firm. And everything. Oh, success. That can be, um, yeah. uh, that can be quickly magnified online, where, whether it be success stories or number of followers through social media and, and numerous other things as well. Because now it's almost about... You know, where do you pop up? Where do they see you? How are they seeing you? They see you everywhere. They see you in a Facebook feed. They see you on LinkedIn. They see you, this website here, they see you there. And they may not be driving through downtown Houston and even care about the marble, the marble big, you know, the big law, law firm sign anymore. Yes. Um, so and, there's other uh, ways through technology to do that. I see, the, the internet is a great equalizer though, because on the internet, a tiny company can appear to be very large. And me, myself, I mean, realistically, if I want to live in Italy, I could. I could take my American. I just have to be born with this American mentality, I guess, before I go there. I can't go from Italy. I could go from Italy to America, (laughs) then back to Italy. But I can't go for, you know, I can't just start out in Italy and just realize this. I I must leave first, I guess. Yes. To see the differences, you have to. uh, See, the mentality isn't difficult to acquire. Uh, It's just the um, it, it need is to know here, it's knowledge it, here it is in the environment the thing that see I, I'll give you a, 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 a very simple example that just shows how things are done here right <laughs> the guy that mows my lawn he's organized on a, in a, with a business he's got an email uh-huh. he, he makes the appointments he uh-huh. my checks yeah it's a business yeah right? uh-huh. Anything like nothing ever like that I've seen. You, you, you go, you get call somebody to cut your trees. You hand them a tra- you hand them twenty dollars or fifty dollars, and then uh, God knows where they are and who where you, if they answer the phone the next time. Uh-huh. That's the difference. It's not they don't people don't work, don't organize themselves with a business mentality here. Anything they do, even the child that sells lemonade on the street, already yeah. learns a business mentality. Yeah, it's a. And I'm not saying capitalistic, not the difference, because this has nothing to do with capitalism or socialism. This has to do with knowing how to set up a business. Mm. And the reason why Starbucks succeeded is because it comes from a city in the U.S. where there are a lot of people who know how to set up a business. Now, Seattle, after all, has, is a city of Microsoft, Amazon, and Boeing, mm. aside from Starbucks. So there's plenty of people there. Look at the centers that, that create the vitality of this country. Uh, uh, Atlanta is another one. We all talk about California all the time because California is California. But outside of California, Seattle is an amazing center. Boston is another amazing center. Mm. Atlanta is one of the centers where we have seen the vast majority of, uh, or at least a lot of, um, security, cybersecurity companies come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I call Atlanta leads. like the telecom capital. Atlanta's like the telecom yes. capital of the yes. United States. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of people in Atlanta who apparently know how to set up a telecom and cybersecurity business. 
I think they're setting up a sales business. I think they're setting up a sales Um, business and putting security in. That's fine. Whatever it is that they're setting up, they know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that basic know-how that, in my opinion, is missing elsewhere. Here you find the people that have already done it and know how to do it. It's not just the money, which, by the way, you know, the the size of the economy in the U.S. is mind-boggling huge compared with the rest of the world. Mm. But it's it's also the fact that these people know how to use the money mm. and know how to make more of it. Mm. And and you set up a business with them, very quickly the business goes from zero to $5 million in, in a couple of days. You don't even know what happened. Mm. Well, I wish I could it's figure that different. one out. I wish I could figure <laughs> that, that one out. <laughs> to me, it's more like, you know, five years. And I wish it was $5 million. Uh, at least, um, you know. Palo Alto? Yes, when, sir. When is it, when public in five years? Yep. Oh, yeah. From zero to yep. public in five years. Yep. You need a lot of people who know how to do business to do to achieve that kind of of, of speed, right? Mm-hmm. You you can't just sort of start to invent yourself out of college uh, with a little NDA and think that you can do it. You might be able to, to be, you might get lucky. No, you need to surround yourself. You need to surround yourself with other successful people that have done it and you need to be right in the trenches with them doing it. Exactly. And after you've sacrificed and you've, you know, after you've sacrificed and been through the, that grind with other people uh, that successfully have done it before and you've seen the modeling and you can take that model you can copy that model and insert another, another business, and then you, you go grind it out. Um, I know the hard way. I mean, I know the I know the hard way of of starting a business, which is you know building a sales force and and grinding it out that way. I mean, that's what I know. But I definitely yeah. know. I, I definitely believe in it, and I know that if for whatever reason you know whatever my business like is disappears overnight tomorrow, I know I can pick another one, take that model, insert the model, and go out and do it all over again. Because also because you are in the U.S. It, yeah, there's a simplicity too. There has to be a simplicity in the model. You can't be all over. There's the place. a simplicity. But I was I was reading a statistic of the United Nations about how easy, how long it takes to set up a business. In the U.S., I think it takes a couple hours or a couple of days. I don't know. It was a very, it was absolutely the shortest in the world and very uh-huh. simple. The second one was Germany. It takes at least a couple of weeks to set up a business. I could set you up. I honestly believe. I honestly believe that I could set you up with a business in, in a couple hour, hours. In one hour. Yeah. 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 It, it, absolutely. Yeah. Just an agency. Wait, you know what? No, whatever it is, mm. like like a reseller agency of yeah. some sort. Like you want to resell Comcast in, Internet? Done. It's it's over in like no. an hour. In 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 Germany, the the equivalent. This is still the UN, but we're not some stuff I'm making up. Right? Uh-huh. It was a, I, I believe it was one or two weeks. In Italy, it was months. It was like 90 days. And that's because you got to apply for some kind of business license oh, of some sort, I'm assuming? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. You apply, and then it doesn't come back, and then it comes I don't even want to know. The I bureaucracy of some other person just, that doesn't yeah. care about you, pushing paperwork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. And, that, and by the way, and to this, you associate laws that when I came here, to me, seemed extravagant and harsh. Mm-hmm. But I do see how they work now. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in, in Houston, Houston, Texas is a, uh, they call it a right to work state. Yep. And I, I come from a socialist environment, from a socialist uh-huh. country. Yep. Um, uh, something like the right to work would be unthinkable. <laughs> here people can be laid off without reason, right? That yep. turns out that that doesn't actually work 
to the detriment of the people. It actually works to their advantage because now, as much as they can be laid off, they can also leave with only two weeks' notice and, and run somewhere else very quickly. So the good ones that you want to keep, you are a keeper. You are to make it matter because they too can leave. Right? In Italy, you end up, you hire somebody, you are married them for life. Hmm. And when the, the government has tried many times to change things, and things do have changed, mm-hmm. but it, it's, a, it's a slow process because you're fighting against an attack of 60 million people who have always seen, done it in a different way. Right? My father worked for one company in his entire life. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. You, you, the, the idea was you were hired, you got a job, and you stick with it. Huh. The, the, the moving mentality of the U.S. where people change even change country, uh, sorry, uh, state or city, mm-hmm. just pick up and go because they got a new job. That is it's just not part of the culture of the people over there. Mm. Right? People there consider themselves immigrants when they go from the south to the north. Mm. Heck, it's the same state and country. Mm-hmm. They go from the south to, to Milan, but they're immigrants. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a ridiculous. That is completely <laughs> ridiculous, right? <laughs> it's just not, it, it, it just not you, it tells you how the mentality is different and why things. We're kind of going around this here, from the market to the Italy uh, and to the, the security and to the whole point of this The whole point of this is is that you're you're a uh, you're in technology leadership. You are. I mean, you're a CTO. You're, you're a technology leader, and the point is, is most. The, the point is you have to have a, if you want to become a CTO, if you want to get into technology leadership, you can't just be the nerd that walked out of the server room. No. You must have business experience. You must understand the business world. And it can't be, same thing if you want to be a CISO. Same thing if you want to be a chief security officer, right? You can't just be the nerd against everybody else. No. It's, no, uh, you really you have, have to... to yeah, very. You need to read the 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 Washington the, uh, economic magazines a lot more than you read technical magazines. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What have you, you had to do to overcome? What have you had to do to overcome any sort of? And and we got about five minutes. We got about five minutes left here. Yeah. And I'm always saying that. Uh, but what have you had to do to overcome immigrant status as a technology leader in the United States? What have you had to do? Do you feel that you've had to fight more than the average? the average person no. to stand out or no? No, absolutely. The Americas, uh, at least in Houston, is, uh, I have lived in Houston now 21 years, so it is the single place where I've lived the longest. Uh-huh. My hometown of Catanzaro in Calabria in the south of Italy, I left when I was 18 to go to college and I never went back except uh-huh. for vacation. Uh-huh. Right? After that, I lived in college in Naples, and then I went to Milan and then I went to Rome, then yeah. back to Milan yeah. and then I finally ended up in Houston, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have never felt at home as much anywhere else as I do in Houston. I've always been felt very welcome. Houston is an environment where people are always welcomed. And awesome. it's amazing. It's just unbelievable. I am happy to be in Houston because it has given me anything. I mean, when I, I took the citizenship naturalization in uh-huh. 2009, uh-huh. I was a bit, I felt a little bit awkward because I was feeling like I was betraying my roots. But today, I, I carry that with pride. Because, not because I'm proud to be an American. That's not the point. 
I am proud of the fact that this place, I am grateful, more than proud, that this place has given me so much, has accepted me from the beginning with uh, uh, welcoming arms and with respect and has given me everything I have today. I came here with, as an employee of IBM, and then IBM said, okay, you're going to go back or you don't have a job because I was here in assignment for two years. And uh, uh, I decided to stay and I basically was unemployed in 2002. Uh Right? And yet, from unemployed to what I am today, I don't think I could have done it anywhere else in the world. Mm. It's just, uh, it's been, it's made my life so easy. It's made the things possible. Mm. Never, ever, for a single moment, have I ever felt as an outsider. I had been in meetings with, uh, where everybody was a straight foreigner. I've been in meetings where I was the only foreigner. Never. <laughs> a a me- You've been in a text yeah. meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I have. And yeah, yeah. I have never, ever been made to feel like the outsider, like some don't belong here. Absolutely never. It's, uh, it's just amazing how people, how welcoming people are in Texas, at least in Houston. But I know that elsewhere in Texas is the same. Mm-hmm. The mentality in Texas, at least, and I keep saying Texas because I really don't know how it is elsewhere, but the mentality in Texas is as long as you do, are a productive uh, pro- uh, contributor to the society, yeah, yeah. You are, you, everybody welcomes it. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you're smart, uh, I, if you're I, smart and you can I, help run my business better, I mean, that's, <laughs> Pretty much the American I, dream. I, sometimes I get even I, I get even emotional because it's a, it's unbelievable. I feel much more at home here than I've felt in Milan. Hmm. To give you to give you an idea, and that hmm. Milan is in theory is my home. It's my you know it's hmm. Italy. Yeah, uh, it, 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 and I don't didn't I never felt as as welcome there as I am here. Hmm. I have neighbors that are from all over the world. I have uh, employees and colleagues that are all American. Uh-huh. And friends that are from all over the world, and this is a, such a kaleidoscopic place yeah. that it, it's just—it's also beautiful for the kind of experience it gives you and the way it opens your mentality. I've met people from probably fifty different countries, uh-huh. um, I, and I've learned so much about the world that I never could have learned if I had stayed back where I was. Mm. Uh, well, it, it really has changed me completely as a person. It, it completely, like completely. Uh, Pierre Luigi, it's a beautiful and, um, message, man. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, it is. If America is all like this, I would, I would do this again all over again. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sorry I didn't come here earlier because it is. I'm really happy to be here, and now I am really happy and proud to carry the passport. Uh, well, keep, um, you know, from that standpoint, please keep. Um, how do I say uh, barraging your son? With uh, please keep your son in quarantine uh, for in all quarantine, those good reasons. Yes. <laughs> for all those good reasons. Um, I, I'm, until then, again, I really wish I could have recorded that at the beginning of this call because it would have been. Great. I can call him. We can do it again if you want. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you so uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And and uh, you know, Absolutely. if you've got updates, and you know, if you've got any special stories of you know things that, things that happen over the next uh, you know six months that unfold, please let's share them again. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much.